Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that is the one who knocks. It's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most Fridays, or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks! Patrons get those perks! Woo! I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he has never been late for a New Year's party. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. I thought that was a reference to me being late for the show. Ahoy! (laughs) (laughs) Each, Each week, we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. He's here to make friends with us and our dads, too, but his heart is broken. It's Ian Whittington! His heart is broken because I don't strictly think that your thank you that your intro was from one of the movies. I think you stole that from a different show, and I don't like it. Oh no! What did I steal it from? You said I am the one who knocks. You you did oh, a Breaking yes. Bad thing. No, you but didn't. It, but it applies. It's a double. It's, it's a double entendre. It works. You're a double entendre. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. You're out of order. We love having Ian on the show, if for no other reason than right off the bat, he just questions everything. Well, um, don't give me reason to. You don't seem gonna, to understand who you're talking to here. It is true. This is what happens, you Aaron, when you let your drunk friends just pop on the show whenever they want. It's amazing you caught me just as I was leaving the pub. Uh, often the uh, the initial uh, podcast thing, the, whoever the announcer is when they do it, um, so I, I consult on it a little bit, but um, when the announcer does that initial podcast thing, it's, mm-hmm. it can be anything that is tangentially related to the title or whatever. Like oftentimes mm-hmm. it's even just a pun, like it's a pun on the title name, that okay. kind of thing. So, okay. But if you're feeling bad about it, I can talk to them and, and have them, you know, make sure it's a direct quote from, you know, the... Please, the please. Okay, it, would be, it would be appreciated. I will do yeah. that. Uh, We're excited to have you with us. Uh, Those of you who are joining live on the Friday broadcast, thanks for hanging out with us today. Those of you who are joining on the podcast feed at a later date, uh, thank you for listening as well. Um, We're excited to talk about a couple movies today. We've got, uh, we're doing a little bit of catch up, Um, not so much mustard, just a little catch up. Uh, We're talking about plain, um, which uh, is neither mustard nor ketchup uh, when something is plain. Uh, and we're going to uh, to chat about that, even though it came out a few weeks ago. And then Knock at the Cabin just came out. We're going to chat about that as well. Uh, going to do some Gerard Butler for our best ever challenge. And uh, then, of course, we'll do some Buried Treasure uh, as well. And if you're wondering our thoughts on the DC announcements, uh, that's the what we, that is uh, what we did for our members only pre-show. So all our Sip Pop members will have a conversation between the three of us on some of the thoughts of uh, what DC has announced and whether or not we are excited or rolling our eyes or some combination thereof. Mm. <laughs> um, I'm ready to get into some movie talk. So let's, oh, let's do it. Do it. Um, yeah. Let's chat a little bit about Knock at the Cabin. My name's Leonard. It's nice to meet you, Will. Why are you here? I suppose I'm here to make friends with you. And your dad's too. But my heart is broken. Why is it broken? Because of what I have to do today. There is a woman. 
While vacationing at a remote cabin, a young girl and her parents are taken hostage by four armed strangers who demand that the family make an unthinkable choice to avert the apocalypse. With limited access to the outside world, the family must decide what they believe before all is lost. M. Night Shyamalan coming back with uh, his latest. Dave Batista, uh, Jonathan Groff, Rupert Grint. Uh, ben Aldridge, all uh, in this, as well as some others. Um, there's a lot to talk about, but let's start here. What did you guys think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Ian. Hmm. I didn't like it. I am at the very low end of didn't like mm. it as well. Yeah. Withholding I, the hate it button, but uh, I am, really lingering I right there on the bottom of uh, didn't Can't like quite it. get there, but I am... Paddling. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Uh, Mr. Ormsby. I am going to go with liked it, and I feel that I'm missing something that can fully unlock this movie to loved oh. it, but I do... But I, I don't do think you think are. I, <laughs> no, but I, but I do. But honestly, I, I, I'm prefacing that by saying that I do think this movie makes a couple mistakes and uh, missed opportunities. You know, to push it, to loved it. But it, I could be wrong. I could actually love it now, and I just don't know it. Sure, and that's I love. That's one of the things I love about movies is that that kind of thing can change. Uh, Tar is uh, a lot like that. I think I've talked about it. Uh, kind of unlocked mm-hmm. for me a few weeks after I had watched the movie. Which I need you to send that article to me because <clears throat> I can't find it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can. I can look that one up. Um, you know, with M Night, uh, I I have no idea how to sift through my own biases. Like I have no idea because I have strong biases both ways with M Night. Like this is one of those things where mm. this director has given me euphoria in the movie theater several times, right? But this director <laughs> has also given me the worst movie experience I've ever had. <laughs> Right. That is wild, isn't it? it? Yeah, it, it is. It's it's really really strange. Now I'm I'm developing as time goes on a theory as to how that has happened. But uh, for now, just talking about this movie, I am going to say currently, much like Andrew, currently I am on the high side of liked it. Um, I really liked this movie Mm. um and as i linger and i think i started at just liked it and as i've lingered with it um have either convinced myself of things that are not there (laughs) or or have it has continued to resonate with me uh in a powerful way so um i'm excited to talk about it ian i will tell you i would have been extremely surprised if if you were even at it's just okay. Like I walked out of this movie going, man, there's some things about this movie that Ian is going to despise. You have no idea how good that makes my heart feel. I know it shouldn't matter. Like it's, I feel what I feel, but that makes me feel justified. And I am really happy that you guys like it. And there was a point in the movie where I was like, I'm in liked it. Cool. It lasted about three and a half minutes, and I was like, oh, no, I really don't like this. This is That's good. I'm glad I know now. <laughs> I'm glad we have settled that. You you know what I'm going to say about this movie. I'm pretty confident. I, I have I have a feeling um, that I know some of the places you will go, and I'm excited to go there. I will also say mm-hmm. it is should be no surprise. It, it is not a, a twist uh, that we will be doing a spoiler uh, episode <laughs> on an M. Night movie. That, is, yeah. th- that should not be a surprise. So there will be some things we will hold for that. 
Um, but I guess I can kick us off. Uh, yeah, it sounds like on, you like it the most. Yeah, it sounds like I was uh, the one who enjoyed it the most. And I guess I will start with the centerpiece, which is Dave Batista. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I think that's a good place to start, and probably one the three of us I think can agree on. It's just it's really interesting for me to watch his career and how he's almost being, and I don't mean this in in a pejorative way to to either of them, but he's kind of choosing the anti rock path yes. in his movie stardom, right? And to see him purposefully choose projects that stretch his ability, that put him in uh, positions to play different kinds of characters, perfect uh, to purposely pick directors who have mm. very clear artistic visions, you know, whether it be uh, Dune with Denny Villeneuve or, you know, M. Night Shyamalan or, you know, uh, Ryan Johnson, Johnson yeah. you know, whoever he's he's choosing. Uh, I'm just I'm really digging his choices. And uh, and I think he's pulling it off. This is the first movie I've seen him in where I have come away going, hmm, he may not just be able to pull it off. He may actually be a really good actor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you've said that for of, a while now. Well, I, and, and you're not alone. And a lot of people have said that for a while. I'm saying yeah. I'm just getting to that place because mm. I think there's a, a lot of times we judge athletes on a different acting scale than we judge actors. So, you know, when an athlete becomes an actor, they get a little bit of a, a boost just by going, you're a professional wrestler. You shouldn't be able to act. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's and, their job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, right. I guess, I guess of all the, the, the sports, uh, professional this wrestling is the, one. is the one that does have a, a, a nice yeah. little in on that. Um, so I think Dave Bautista is really good. I also think the performances around him are great, too. I think Rupert Grint uh, gives a, a really great yeah. performance, especially in a, in a very specific scene. Um, kind of blew my mind. I'm falling in love with Ben Aldridge. Uh, mm-hmm. I I think he is so good in this movie. And I just recently saw him in uh, the movie Spoiler Alert. Uh, uh, what was the movie, though? The movie yeah. is called Spoiler Alert. The Hero oh. Dies uh, okay. is, the, is the name <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> and spoiler alert, I won't tell you who the hero is. But, oh, that's uh, the one with uh, Jim Parsons, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I wanted to see that. Yes, so. he is phenomenal in that, and he is phenomenal here. And it's a one-two punch, and I've gone, oh, paying attention to you, uh, you're doing mm-hmm. incredible work. So i just start us off with the acting and just say I thought it was really, really good yeah. all around. Uh, Andrew, what uh, what's something you want to bring to the forefront? Yeah, I haven't disagreed with anything you've said so far. I think that Dave Batista is great. Um, this is an interesting take for Shyamalan because I think that, and I could be wrong, I think this is his like most intimate, tiny indie film he's done. Like, if you look at like, uh, even his, uh, earlier movies like, uh, Unbreakable or even Signs that, you know, they're kind of confined, but this one just seems, because maybe the cast is so small and it's a one location kind of a movie that it just it forces you to really pay attention to uh the story and you know not like great uh visuals or action sequences or anything like that no he's trying to tell a good story here and i think for the most part he is i do have some issues that i think could have made it better 
because that's me. I know how to make good movies, apparently. You know? <laughs> because that's what we do. That's yeah. what we do. We tell we multi-million dollar making then, directors that... Exactly. We criticize, yeah. and then we go out, and then we make the movie better. We're productive. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, but uh, I totally agree with the performances all around. Actually, I think that, like... Uh, Nikki Bird and Abby Quinn were mm-hmm. some of my favorite performances in the movie. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it, strangely enough, Jonathan Groff was the only one I was like, eh, that's fine. You know, like it, it was, mm-hmm. it was, it felt a little on the nose to me at, at points, which by the way, for an M night movie, that's generally the performances are, you know, they all the, feel off. <laughs> right. Because the writing is that way. Like that's how he writes. He writes with mm-hmm. that kind of stilted, almost dialogue style. Um, but uh, everybody sold it really well. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, Ian, did you have any good things to say? Was there uh, No, I do. But you've already said them all. Um, I, <laughs> oh, I, wondered, I wondered. I would love to I would love to switch out all of the actors with, let's say, EFG list, like mm-hmm. D movie type things and see if you still like this film. Because that's the mm-hmm. only thing that made the that kept me going is that Batista is he's just really this is my favorite Batista performance by a yeah. long long way i think he's fine in dune but he's not given a lot to do he is what i expected in glass onion but this is this is what i want to see like i'm waiting for that point in like the rock's career where he does convincing drama because it's kind of like actiony actiony and then in the later years it's like i'm gonna do more serious think pieces now i love that batista is going in and Picking a character like this right now, I love that so much. Did um, you, see, do you remember his uh, character in um, in the uh, why can't Blade Runner uh, twenty forty nine? This was oh, about to bring yeah, up. Yeah, he's not in it too much. Though. No, but it reminded yeah. me of this uh, a yeah. little yeah. bit. Yeah, because way more nuanced that, than it had any right to be. Yeah, yeah. The thing that Batista is not afraid to do that the, I think the Rock is is choose a role where he's vulnerable. Mm. Like, you know, where he uh, is a human, <laughs> he's not larger yeah. than life. He's, yes, he's a big guy. He's, you know, scared straight youth pastor here. But mm. at the same time, you know, there's a there's a timidness to his character. Yeah, there's and an apologetic yeah, to what he's being forced to do. Yeah, um, and I think, I, can't, I couldn't have said it better than forced to do, mm. because it feels very much like nobody is at fault here. I wholeheartedly disagree. But <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, but I, I think, see what you mean. I do. I do. I think from see a narrative standpoint, from. And, and we can get into, especially Aaron, I'm going to have some questions about some of the metaphorical stuff in this sure. movie, but I think that, uh, I think for the most part, uh, I, I appreciate the fact that yes, David Batista is given a good performance, but he's also, uh, pushing the boundaries of his, roles that he does well i guess i'll take us then into the next thing i thought was was pretty amazing and this is not a surprise with m night uh i think the filmmaking in this movie is uh is astonishing like i think some of the the tricks he uses for tension in holding an audience is um i'll just say there's a there's a a scene in the car and i was just it was some of the most interesting tension building I've seen in a movie in a long time. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen something exactly like that. And uh, and I just, he's so good at, at figuring out which camera angles to use, what distance to be. He uses a lot of close-ups in this movie. 
Um, and it, 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 they're used at exactly the right times. And I just, I, I really enjoyed his use of the camera and, um, in the way that he, he shot this and, and edited it and put it together. So I, th- I thought the filmmaking in this was really, really good too. It was kind of mm. like a Jonathan Demi movie. You know, you look at silence of the lambs where everything is like a really personal close up shot like that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it adds, a not only a sense of tension, but also uh, it's it's really great with uh, character pieces like this because you really get to focus in on the emotions. Yeah, that's really really interesting because this was probably the least I've been gripped by an M Night movie. Interesting because wow. I even like the happening. Okay, <laughs> fair. After Absolutely Earth. fair. After I Earth, I can't. All oh, right, fine, fine. I'm being hyperbolic. A- but it's the I did not feel very gripped, um, and I kind of wondered if that was deliberate because this is more of a character piece. This is more of a a character study. So I wondered if he was deliberately letting the the actors do the work and letting the characters do the work without anything too fancy going on behind the camera but there's so many great scenes of tension like i think of the shower curtain scene i think of like i mentioned the car scene i think there's just there's some <sighs> really it just didn't work for you is what you're saying yeah Those scenes no didn't it's, work for you. it's just stuff that i've and I, I really don't like saying this stuff that i've seen before because it's great that's the whole point of movies but do it well for me this was it was it wasn't anything knew like i knew what was happening in both of those scenes i just wanted to hurry up and get there i didn't feel tense i will put a huge caveat on this that about 20 minutes into the show there was a real life human the world interaction thing where somebody a group of six people had been talking the entire time on their phones someone from the opposite side of the cinema gets up comes up walks into their row stands in front of them and says, what are you doing? And just goes through the lists of why they're terrible people and why what they're doing is disrespectful, why everything is terrible, and eventually they be quiet. And he was just like, no, you're not going to try. You are going to be quiet. And then just leaves and goes back to, back to his seat. <laughs> so to be fair to the movie, I did, but I, I tried to put that out of my head, but it did break the... That was the tensest thing that I experienced in the entire <laughs> evening. Real life tension. Uh, uh-huh. Nothing can make movie tension feel uh, less impactful than actual right? real life tension. Uh, that's interesting. That's, mm-hmm. that's wild. Um, I, I, like, uh, bravo for that person, <laughs> I guess. I don't know, or, or like... I, I don't know, oh, man. We all, thanked, age, we all I, thanked him because we were all thinking the same thing. But it's like, am I in a room where somebody is going to do something about it? Yeah. Because I'm probably not the person in that room that's going to do something <laughs> about it. I'm going to go on a podcast right. and complain about it later. Right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Uh, the other piece of the tension that worked for me, aside from those scenes that I've mentioned and some others that, that I didn't, I think the psychological tension works for me as well here. There are there is a real through line of what you believe, what you're willing to believe and what um you know, what constitutes proof, you know, what what is uh the um the things you think you know, the things you found put to the foundation of your life, are you willing to um where is the line where you're willing to let those go? And I found that tension to be also really, really interesting and, and having something to say, um, 
as well. I'm going to so. keep counterpointing you. <laughs> but I do, I'm having just the opposite feelings entirely. Like, that element of the psychology, that part of the movie, didn't work for me at all. Um, because I feel like nobody had a chance. And that psychology is interesting for me if we don't know where it's going. And I, I just kind of... Okay, I... Maybe it's just chance, but from the from the get go, I was I, I knew where this was going, and maybe that's what's coloured the movie for me. me. Too. I I had every single beat, and I was like, I'm really. I hope it subverts me, and I hope it's not going to do this. But I I felt sorry for the people in there because there was no. I don't want to get too spoilery, but there's no way. There's no lo- There's no way to apply logic to this and get out of it. Like they were, they were doomed from the beginning. This was only going to play out one way, and that's that just didn't feel entertaining. To I me. could that not feel disagree fair. more. Like I think part of the question is what you know. How do you actually use logic, and like how logic interacts with the things that you're experiencing? Um, in but the they're not given that, enough information. In the, I can't that, wait to get into spoiler chat about. But that's it. what I'm saying. So that there is tension as to like, okay, I do like I, you know, I don't have enough information. I don't have so I'm going to fill in this or fill in that or you know whatever the case may be. Um, anyways, I, I found that compelling. Let's just say, even if not mm-hmm. tense, I found that thought experiment really compelling. And there's a secondary thought experiment, uh, which is more thematic or whatever that um, that I'm still pondering on what was intended what wasn't those Mm. kind of things um and it has to do with the idea of power exerting power uh issues of faith of god of what it means to here's what i'll say that i think i can say non-spoiler uh you know before we get into spoiler talk where i'll be a little more explicit um there is a conscious effort to focus us in on the collection of grasshoppers and there is a metaphor going on with this that is clearly stated right at the beginning and then Mm -hmm. expounded upon metaphorically throughout the movie about what it means um to be god to be in control um and so that was fascinating to me because and it, it will be in spoilers where i have to expand on this that mm-hmm. was fascinating to me because I'm still thinking about what was intended. Like, what what was M. Night's intent? Now, listen, M. Night, this is not the first movie M. Night has made about faith. Signs is a movie about faith. Like, that 100%. literally is a movie about what it means to believe yeah. something, right? Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of echoes of signs uh, in this in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, so it's not like he's he's foreign to the idea of exploring issues of belief and faith and in those kind of things. Um, yeah, the Mel Gibson cameo was a little weird, but uh. it was a little weird. It was weird that at one point <laughs> Mel Gibson popped up running around the cabin trying to pretend like he could swear. That was very yeah, strange. Yeah. I don't I understand. Didn't understand that scene at all. Yeah. But. That's the crazy, stranger than Morbius turning up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is true. That was a little wild as well. Um, So anyways, I'll expand a little bit more on that in the spoilers, but I will just Mm -hmm. say that uh, I love it when a movie will make me think. And uh, and this movie has continued to have me pondering um, what was the intent and my own thoughts on some things that I will be clearer about in the spoiler section. Uh, Other thoughts? Andrew, your turn. 
Well, kind of the grasshopper thing was really what I was kind of struggling with, like to make sure that I understood the metaphors at play here. And judging from what you said, I was kind of on the right track. I still am curious if there's well, a deeper I, meaning to the grasshoppers than what I am trying to unlock, because that is my biggest thing right now is like, okay, the grasshoppers, they have to mean something more than what I'm, you know, putting into this metaphor for them. Yeah. Uh, like, do they represent... Uh, the four of them or are they a representation of like, like you said, God and like how we, uh, we play God with the animals around us and stuff like that. And, uh, well, I, you, listen, uh, just because I have something I believe I took from it doesn't mean it was a intended or B is there. Right. I always you know say, you're the final word. <laughs> I yeah. always say this, uh, in, until, until Jordan Poole says, yes, it was actually about, uh, you know, using cameras uh, in police brutality, then then I'll know, oh, hey, I was on the right track. But until M. Knight comes out and says, yeah, this was intended, which is not M. Knight's M.O., by the way. He, he just no, usually no. lets his art, you know, speak for what it is. Um, you know, I, I won't know for sure. But I'm excited to have the conversation in the spoilers. Yeah. But the biggest problem I have with this movie, and I think it's... It has to deal with the audience's ability to doubt. And what I mean by that is when you have a director like M. Night Shyamalan, you have to do what I think is a better job of subverting the audience's ability to doubt what they're seeing. But you have a director who is not afraid to push those boundaries with past projects to where at the end of the movie, whether you're like able to believe what's going on definitely sways more in one way as opposed to the other. And oh, no, I think th that th this is a clear ending. This is, th yeah. there's nothing oh, abstract yeah, this about isn't this ambiguous. No. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But I think that they could have done something with that. Like sure. where I think this movie fails and a movie like uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane works is because there is a built in, doubt of the narrative being provided to you where I don't think that mm. I don't know if it's uh, Shyamalan's uh, he's like I, I, that's not the movie I want to make you know or it's uh, what I was hoping for honestly I was hoping for the script to be flipped to not because I wanted a twist just because that's a more satisfying story for me that's what I'm more interested in and that's i'll have to expound on that in spoilers but there well, is a movie in here that i like well what's what's interesting to me is that if i'm understanding what you're saying is that you didn't feel like that was even a possibility from the very beginning whereas i felt like what you're talking about was a possibility all the way up until the very end yeah no i didn't oh interesting. i was hoping no. it would but i thought there's no way it's gonna happen you know what yeah. the movie would have been better if there wasn't seen. a tv in the cabin i'll say that i i disagree oh. I totally disagree. But no, I, really, I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think the because movie is anything without the like. I think uh, the, you'd have to definitely uh, change the narration of the movie around because the the television and the TV proof is definitely a factor in. I this. mean, it's, and, it's, and, it's and, one and what of, you go ahead. Sorry, it's one of the funniest panda cartoons I've ever seen. Like, I just like how does the movie <laughs> exist? Without the without the pandas, I don't understand. I don't understand what you're saying. I just I don't know why they had to have Morbius playing in the background for the entire movie. <laughs> uh, Ian, talk a little bit. Go ahead, uh, lay into the the stuff you hate, and I'll see if it's the stuff I thought you would hate. Oh, it's a big old list. Um, I Aww. 
disagree. Oh, I can't say I disagree. I dislike the stereotype of how the skeptic is portrayed. I am really, really tired of <laughs> movies portraying the skeptic in this way. I'm Isn't that rather- subverted here, though? I no, don't think so. No, okay, no, no, no. It's, it's, not for me. I, uh, I won't it, expand. You, I won't expand on why I think that. But no, please do. No, expand no if you can. Until oh, you, spoilers. But yep. Yeah. Continue. Um, the 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 person of faith is presented much like how people of faith are presented. That also annoyed me. Um, it's that the I would theme, agree with that. By the way, but continue. Yeah. Good. Glad you agree with me. Um, for me, the the themes and the placeholders were really paint by numbers. So I'm I'm glad that we have the nihilist. I'm glad that we have the person of faith. But every line that was spoken, every point of view that was brought across, I was like, I've seen this in Star Trek. I will just go and watch my favorite Star Trek <laughs> That's episode. Not fair. That deals Star Trek's with covered this. everything. That's like The Simpsons. It's like no, I've no, seen no, it but the I'm Simpsons. not. No, no, no. But I'm saying it does it better. I'm saying you can do sure. these themes. Like there is no end to the stories that you can tell that deal with these themes, but do it. For me, it wasn't done in a in a satisfactory way. There wasn't a new spin on it. There wasn't anything extra. You've seen the story soon- before. Sorry? You've seen this story before? Not Yeah, and I'm happy to see the same story again. That's movies. I just it's it's gotta do something different. Like read add something new to this story. And I don't think there was anything new added to this. This is a story, it's probably one of the oldest written stories. That that we that we have available to us. It sure um, is, buddy. Uh-huh. It sure is. The, it, it's kind of like the trolley paradox, almost. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, I was thinking of an older story yes, than that, but it's, yeah, it's yeah, it's Abraham <laughs> no, and I, Isaac. I know, you're, I like, know what you're talking about. It's, it's the story. It's the oldest. Story. It's yeah. Mount Moriah, baby. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it, it goes way back. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, and I think my biggest um uh, the the other the the themes just being on the surface and not delivered entertainingly or uniquely to me was what I said about the protagonist just not having a chance. Like, I think every decision is made before the movie even starts because I don't know as a human being how you act any differently as everything is presented to you. And the skeptic is just painted as the one that's actually speaking all of the sense. If this happens in the real world, if this happens to me, you and Andrew in a cabin, we all I would hope react as the skeptic does, but yet they're painted as the <laughs> the one that's. I'll tell you this right now, Ian. If the three of us are locked in a cabin, the world's n- not looking good. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, fair. Uh, yeah. Absolutely fair. Well, well, I do think that the skeptics, you know, iteration, they're uh, burn the whole world. I don't care, kind of cliche, mm-hmm. you know, until the very end, sort of thing, is played off, you know, played upon, you know, and it's been done, you know, the same way. But I still think that there's a lot more to that character than just the skepticness of them. I do want to add one caveat that this is also a person that has been persecuted. And That's- I completely agree with why they feel the way they do. I'm not saying that it's unrealistic. That persecuted part, I loved it. Like that is that the the representation in this film for that, one of my favorite things. That that was powerful. But the the skeptic part of that person's character is already there. That is already inside them before the the traumatic event. So I just, that's the bit that just, God, just do something different with it. Yeah. I, put, I, I think I put in my uh, letterbox review that 
that the overall message of this movie is very distasteful. And it's, I think it's on purpose because I think it's trying to make us think about something. But when you, when you really process what it at least appears to me is the message of this movie, um, I, I don't like it. I, th- I think it's uh, gross. Uh, yeah. and, and it's, that is part of one of the things I'm still chewing on. One of the things I'm trying to figure out, okay, am I missing something or is it supposed to make us think about times where we've been distasteful like this? You know what I mean? Like where we mm-hmm. have, um, you know, done something like this. I'm talking around spoilers and we won't have to do that, mm-hmm. you know, forever. Um, but, uh, it is it is the primary reason I thought you wouldn't like this this movie, and it has to do with the idea of, um, you know that there that the idea of logic and reason are uh, in many ways portrayed in this movie as religion, which is a really interesting thing to see but it's also something that's very distasteful because they should be the the absence of religious thinking right it should be the absence of those ideas um and what this movie seems to be saying in some ways is that putting your belief system into how what you believe is reason and logic can be a form of of religion so which i think is a really interesting conversation to have it's a really interesting topic to go into but especially considering what we've been through in the last decade is very distasteful to me because yeah. it speaks to something about fanaticism um, that is, mm-hmm. uh, is, I think, a weakness of humanity, not a strength. So There is a missed opportunity here where the... Oh man, I can't even talk about that without spoilers. But there, there is a missed opportunity where I was hoping this was going to go, that... We'll get there. We'll get spoiler. there. Hey, we'll get there in spoilers. This, There's no way I can get Let's carry this conversation that. on in the Sif spoil. That'll be up there in your in your feed after this, uh, if we remember to record it. Um, <laughs> any, any other? <laughs> did you forget? Did we you forget did with, one uh, week? What was that? Just recently, we we ended up recording it late, and it got out a couple, a couple days, days after later. the podcast. After the podcast, <laughs> we were like. All these things. We're going to talk about them in spoilers. We're going to talk about oh, them in spoilers. And the worst type of edging. That's horrible. It's not bad. Uh, any other thoughts? Any other things that you guys wanted to talk about? No post-credit scene. That is true. That I was true. out barely before the credits started rolling. <laughs> I couldn't have told you that. Here's no, 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 I'm going to do some general okay. M. Night thoughts. Um, I think M. Night is finding a really nice niche. And what I mean by this is he's self-financing in a lot of ways. He's making the movies he wants to make. He's telling the stories he wants to tell. And he's kind of back in this... Uh, you know, he, he kind of went through a stage where he expanded his idea of what what he was as a director, tried big, big budget stuff, and it clearly didn't work for me, those kind of things. But I think he's at his best when he just gives in to everything that he is. And I know everything that he is is annoying to some people. Like I mentioned, the stilted dialogue. I mentioned, you know... Um, the on-the-nose-ness sometimes. Uh, old was very much this way. Old had a very on-the-nose metaphor where everything everybody said played into the idea of how time passes. You know what I mean? Like, it was right there. But I kind of love him for it. Like, it's kind of like, it's his thing. And I I really am coming to a place where give me one of these kind of stories every year from M. Night, and I'll be a happy boy. Like, I may not like all of them, 
But I like that he's kind of finding this niche and rhythm of, you know, this is what I want my career to be, you know, um, heading this, you know, from here out. Um, So I'm excited for that. And my overall M. Night thoughts are that I think he has talent and even genius, I would say, within a uh, within a limited idea of, um, you know, his comfort zone. And I'm, I'm liking that he's finding kind of just the freedom to be who he is. I will also tell you, I've watched some interviews with him recently, uh, recently started following his Twitter. I just like the dude, too. Like, he seems to be so very in tune with the audience movie dynamic. Uh, recently saw him talking about the response to the village and kind of how he perceived what happened with the audience's response to knowing, you know, Oh, I knew what was going to happen. So I don't like the movie, you know, uh, kind of thing that the people did with the village. And it was really fascinating. Um, no, you're, well, you're not alone. I think a, a majority of... No, I'm just going to... I'm not going to hide. I'm going to own up to it. Yeah. So. No, no, no. I think a, a majority of the dislike for that movie had a lot to do with, oh, M. Night, you know, gives us twists. And I, I knew where this was going. I, I knew what the twist was. Mm. And he talks about the audience uh, movie relationship and how expectations can impact those things. Anyways, I, I found it a really interesting conversation. So I, I think mm. he's... He's really intelligent. I think he's uh, he knows what he wants to do now. And for me, that's that's a lot of fun. And will I like them all? Probably not. Did I like this one? Yeah, I think I did. Uh, so uh, that's where I will finish off with Knock at the Cabin. Um, all right. Let's move into our second movie, guys. Do it. Uh, let's talk about Plane. Captain Torrance, Flight Commander. How can I help you? Fugitive extradition. Oh, is he dangerous? What did he do? Homicide 15 years ago. I don't want to scare the rest of the passengers. I'm afraid you're stuck with us, Captain. Get him on board. Let's have a good flight. We're cutting right through the top of the storm. Listen, keep everybody in their seats. No exceptions, all right? I need everyone to have their seatbelts. You want to leave fast? After a heroic job of successfully landing his storm-damaged aircraft in a war zone, a fearless pilot finds himself between the agendas of multiple militias planning to take the plane and its passengers hostage. Uh, Gerard Butler as Captain Brody Torrance uh, is our central hero. Speaking of finding a niche, uh, Gerard Butler Mm -hmm. has really kind of found his uh, Liam Neeson of it all. And is uh, having a good time, um, and I doing will it. Find in, you, and doing and it I in a way I think you. that uh, is is trying to be a little more heartfelt, a little more genuine, not just action. So it's interesting mm-hmm. to kind of see what he's doing. I felt that in Greenland. I'm, I feel it here as well. Um, you know, certainly some other people joining in as well. But this is a Gerard Butler movie. What did you guys think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay, Andrew? I'm going to go with high side of, okay, you could probably convince me to like this movie by the end of this conversation. (laughs) I will. Fair enough. Uh, Ian. Oh, high side of liked it. Nearly, nearly, nearly loved it. Nearly. Just nearly. I think we're all right. I think we're all right there. I'm on the high side of liked it as well. Well, I I guess Andrew's on the high side of it was okay. I'm also on the high side of liked it. Um, maybe not quite as close to loved it as Ian, because uh, you seem really excited to talk about oh, this. So yes. we will let you go ahead. What are some of the things oh, you loved about playing? This is, this is just perfect for me. This is the perfect ninety minute diehard like action movie. Like this is exactly what I look for 
in a grab a pizza popcorn movie. I'm not saying that every movie needs to be like this by any means. I'm going to come off as the person that like hates the thinky movies and likes <laughs> the action now. But this movie just did it for me. Like it is so efficient with its storytelling, with what the characters are doing. It knows the story it's going to tell. It's entertaining. This movie has tension. <laughs> I actually did feel tension in this film. Um, Gerard Butler is doing what Gerard Butler does, but with a slightly more, with like 20% more Scottish in him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like the people. I, this has one of the best plane crash sequences in a movie I've ever seen, mainly because of the build-up and some work it does beforehand. I just, I like this movie. I like this movie so much. It is exactly what I needed I was one of three people in the cinema, which probably coloured my experience as well. Um, I, it was great. I just had such a good time. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, first of all, the movie was 110 minutes, not 90 minutes. Uh, it was it was 150. It was an hour and 50 was minutes. It? So, yeah. yeah. Um, my but- version wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was the, U- the, U- the UK cut. The UK cut is a little bit I'm not, shorter. I'm not kidding. I'm... I'm no, I could be wrong. I'm sure it was 90 minutes, but I could be That's wrong. Wild. I could That's be wild. That's wild. Okay. But it but the fact that it felt like 90, I think is a good sign. Like it, it mm. feels uh, you know, you you're never bored. You're never bored in this no, movie. Not at all. The movie is very aware of its structure. It understands how to get you from point A to point B in a way that you care. It gets you right into what you're going to care about while it's at the so same efficient. time giving you a little bit of background. Um the backstories the worst part of this movie i like i totally don't know agree. that i ever really bought into the father-daughter stuff um that it's trying to do it it almost felt uh, fake to me a little false to me but it didn't mm-hmm. matter because i bought into the survival aspect of mm-hmm. it and a good survival movie is a fun movie like a good movie mm-hmm. of people just trying to survive is um, if done right, smart I think. people trying smart to survive people, as well. Yes. That's what I love about this. Yeah, this movie, this movie from almost every character except one. There's there's one foil, but al- almost <sighs> yeah. every character on the good or bad side is uh, is being smart about what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I've called that competence porn before. This is this is a competence <laughs> porn movie. Like they, like yeah. they're just people making good decisions and mm-hmm. trying to do good stuff. Um, and that's that's fun to watch. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, you know, like the the elite military squad is like an elite military squad. <laughs> yeah. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Like it's yeah. So it's the A team C plot was a bit tacked on. A no, bit, I loved. I loved, that I loved it though. I like, liked it, but it's yeah. it's. Can it I was. Take- it, if I had one line for this movie, it was like watching an episode of the A Team, but from the perspective of the people being helped by the A Team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to. I want to go off of that because this is my biggest pro for the movie, and it kind of deals with that elite squad, and it's the fact that this movie doesn't treat our main protagonist as a superhero. Mm. He is a pilot. Mm-hmm. And yes, he, there's he has that one fight scene where it's like that one shot, and it's it's not like a the raid or anything like that. It's it's a guy trying to fight for his life that kind of knows how, but not really. But uh, I believe thing, this is how Gerald Butler would get out of that fight. <laughs> yeah, honestly, no. But what I love is like he he has that scene, but then like when the elite squad, he's like, okay, I'm gonna go back to being the pilot now. You know, mm. he doesn't have to constantly be. You know, like if. 
if this movie were made in the 80s, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger would have been the pilot. And uh, even after the elite squad showed up, he would still be calling all the shots and leading the charge, uh-huh. you know. But no, not in this one. Like, as soon as they show up, he's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to trying to get everybody out of here. So you guys, you, you do you and I'll and do me. they work together. Yeah. They, they get along. This is a movie of people getting along. It's so nice. Well, not everybody, like, no, but... Not everyone. <laughs> but there's a little bit of artificial conflict built in, but people are people. Some people talk through movies. But the pros come in, and he's just like, yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. I agree. It's so... It was really comforting in that in that respect. It stayed away from some of the cliches that are a bit annoying. Yeah. Yeah. I... Uh, I... I'm realizing the more I think about this movie that I that I do have several negatives, um, and I don't. Mean, oh no! Damn it, Aaron! I don't mean to take us there too early. So instead of instead of going there right away, uh, I guess I will say um, uh, Mike Coulter is also really good. Who I think we know is mm-hmm. Luke Cage, right? Wasn't wasn't yeah. he? Uh, we know Luke Cage. Cage. My, yep. my good buddy who stepped on me and apologized. <laughs> That's true. At the award, I forgot that. You got stepped on by Mike Coulter. Going back right. to our seats and he steps on me. Oh, sorry about that, buddy. And I'm like, <laughs> hi, Mike. Fine, Luke. Hi. <laughs> yeah, you just step on me whenever step you want. Step on me again. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really like that character. There's some, there's, well, there's plenty of cliche and trope to go around. Let's not pretend that mm-hmm. there aren't a lot of cliches no, and tropes no, no. in this movie, but they, but they are cliches and tropes for a reason. They kind of work. Um, you kind of know what this character is right from the beginning, and that's okay because we want yeah. it to be that kind of character. Uh, the same with Tony Goldwyn as uh, kind of running the the uh, FAA base or or whatever. Mm-hmm. The fixer. Yeah. The fixer. So mm-hmm. much fun. Again, competence porn. You know, just all these uh-huh. people like thinking things uh, through and, and doing great stuff. Um, again, aside from the one person who was like, um, we got to get you there on time, so don't fly over We're it. We're trying to <laughs> save some money. Yeah. <laughs> save uh-huh. a little bit of money. Uh, aside from that person, uh, but everybody else. Uh, so so I really did like that. I think all the surrounding characters um, that we get some time with are great. But this leads me to one of my negatives, which is I wish we knew the people in the plane a little bit better. I feel like this is one of those movies that could have benefited from having, and I don't mean backstories. I don't need backstories on all these people. I just mean personalities, stronger personalities more than just, Oh, this guy does TikTok. Oh, these, you know, people do this, you know, this guy is English. Yeah, right. So that they can be a little right. more They're involved props in the movie instead of characters. Correct. They are not involved in any kind of relational dynamic way, any kind of the you know that get moved around plot necessary way. That's yeah. okay. It doesn't ruin the movie. It doesn't make it terrible. I just think there's a better movie maybe where we kind of have. I just I know one of the things I remember from uh, a lot of the the action movies in the 80s and 90s is as cheesy as they were. There were a lot of different characters that had, a, you know, their moments, right? Like, you mm-hmm. know, there was always the, how their personality would come into it. They'd always have a line yeah. or a moment or whatever. And that's just not what this movie is doing. Um, Aaron, so. you should learn to care about people, even if you know nothing about them, okay? Yeah, I should. I really should work on that, for sure. <laughs> um, before I keep going into more negatives, what other positives did you guys want to talk about? Um, oh, okay, cool. I'll go into some more negatives. No, I'm just, I'm not going to dominate. No, I, I was gonna... waiting for Ian to go. But, uh... No, I'm waiting for Andrew because oh, okay. I can go for ages. Well, uh, I, I think that the movie is paced very well. I think that especially that first 20, 25 minutes, not a lot is happening. But I think that, you know, the way that the movie is uh, t- uh, paced during that sequence 
makes it very, very intriguing because it seems genuine. You know, like everybody's talking in what I assume is authentic, you know, uh, pilot lingo, you know, like all the navigation checking and stuff like that. It's like what Aaron called it, competence porn, can also lead to good tension building because even no, you don't know what's going on. You can put your faith in somebody who does, and that kind of makes you a little bit uh, vulnerable. So when they're worried, I'm worried. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah, when yeah. they're worried, I'm worried. So. Yeah, it does, the movie does a very good job with that. And I think that after that, it's continued to pace very well. I think that opening 25 minutes is, and I'm probably putting it on a pedestal too much, is cleverer than 90% of people may realize it is. It is so deliberately normal. And it is exactly what it's like to get on a plane, go through that step by step. It makes you a passenger. It doesn't explain the techno jargon lingo. It's just competent pilots doing what they're doing for a good amount of time so that when stuff starts to go wrong i'm like oh i don't yeah. want to i have a flight in 45 days that i now don't <laughs> oh, want to have anymore no. like oh, it no. was so yeah like, i fly more now than i ever have before i'm really fortunate and that it felt so realistic like it hit really really close and it was just such a level of detail that i wasn't expecting from from this movie, I was expecting everyone's on board. Oh no, we're crashing! Like spoiler yeah. alert, the plane crashes. But the crash sequence is so good and so tense and so believable. And I didn't, I didn't know where it was going. I didn't expect it to land. Ha ha! Where it landed, uh, it's one of my favorite bits of the movie. Speaking of where it landed, without getting too spoilery, um, mm. the end of this movie was the only time where my suspension of disbelief no, really struggled. You have, you have no idea what fun is. <laughs> <laughs> I was cheering. I Ian was like, going it, for, let's go. Ian going for the jugular. <laughs> mean, oh my God. I mean, no, I, I think it's it's done well. I, I think agree the, with you, by the way. The, 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 you the, don't know what fun is. I, I, I agree it's fun. Uh, I just think there's there's that part of my brain that's going how how this close how like <laughs> yeah like, I know like, Even suddenly everything how? became like a thousand percent less dangerous than I thought right. it was it's because like, of, it's like yeah. those cartoons where somebody's like in the rain and they take one step to the left and it's yes. sunny <laughs> yeah oh we're okay Wait, now what, what's going on I don't how's this working oh man there is there is one line where where Gerard Butler delivers the escape plan, and I just cackled. I just when he said what his idea was, I was like, <laughs> "That's amazing!" And I like this the climax of this movie. I know what it's going to be. I am with my popcorn. I'm going to yeah, enjoy just having fun. All no, I totally get it. Yeah. Uh, at risk of getting a little too serious for a movie like this, the one thing I came the biggest piece of cognitive dissonance I came out with has to do with my pacifism. I've talked about it many, many times before, but this is a definitely a movie that revels in the idea of how violence can solve a situation. Um, and doing what you have to do. do yeah. what you, not only do what you have to do, but the shots it's choosing, the the way it's depicting mm -hmm. some of the the deaths, those kind of things, is very celebratory in this movie. It's like it's very exciting and interesting. Now, I mm -hmm. get for many people 
that's a nice outlet. That's what action movies do. Like, they're bad guys. We want to see the bad guys blown up. But there's that cognitive dissonance part of me that's like, I don't want to see the bad guys blown up. I, I like I don't want to see anybody blown up. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. so if you are anything like me, there will be a little of that cognitive dissonance towards the way this movie handles uh, the dispensing of yeah. its uh, plot trash. Can I yeah. also say really quick, this is the first movie I can think of where somebody has a Barrett 50 cal and uses it exactly for what the Barrett 50 cal is yes. made that's, for. That's what right? I'm talking about. That's what that's exactly what I'm talking about. Really? Yeah, that, okay. that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, totally. oh, that thing can stop a car? Yeah, that's <laughs> what it's made for. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly. I'm not talking it's about not it stopping for- the car. I'm talking about what they no, use no, it no, for but, after yeah. stopping know, the but car. But I know <laughs> you're talking about like through yeah. the car and stuff like yes. that. Yeah. But I'm excited. Like, no, the thing is meant to literally, it's built to stop cars. It's not a sniper rifle. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It is a 50 cal. Just Google how big a 50 caliber bullet is. Oh my God. Yeah. They're, yeah like fingers. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, any other thoughts? Any uh, other stuff about playing? Here's what was keeping me from saying I actually liked or loved the movie. Is that this movie is just... A Go on. S- <laughs> oh, Ian, Ian, get ready. The plot of this movie is a step above made for TV. Like uh, TNT made for action, action drama. Like it's mm-hmm. pretty cut and dry... Nothing's there's nothing special here. It's it's a meat and potatoes movies mm-hmm. where it just does everything, but there's no like a dessert or anything like that. Or maybe you could say this movie is just all dessert and there's no meat yes. and potatoes. Maybe no, that's I a better right. way of saying it. Yeah. Because it's it's simple. It's a simple movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't kidding when I said the A team comparison. I, I felt like a good a really solid A Team adventure was going, and I love the A Team. I love that show. That's that. There's a reason I would tune in and watch that. And um, I didn't like uh, the Mike Coulter character. That was my other thing. I oh, interesting. Like. Okay, I like that character. Okay, interesting. I thought there, there's a movie out there where it's from Mike Coulter's point of view, and mm-hmm. it might even be a better movie. But I do, I do like that it's different. Being from the the flights from the, the white guy's the pilot's point of view instead. Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> that's from that's kind of I think if Arnie is doing this film then he is the prisoner um, and it's that's what we focus on I didn't do it to win over the pilot. I'm an innocent <laughs> <Exactly>. man <laughs> in terms of like the stuff I didn't like because I don't love it there was some stuff that annoyed me and it was the, the I couldn't help but compare it to Die Hard and how Die Hard hits every single bit of this formula really well you've got the the protagonist doing his thing. You've got the villain, which is really, really enticing. And you've got the B-plot, which is enticing as well. For me, this misses a villain that I am interested in, slash care about, slash isn't just, like you said, a, a prop. It's just I'm not really getting much from this villain or villains. And also the B-plot, other than the fixer guy being really fun to watch, the rest of that B-plot just washed over me. It was just mm-hmm. like, cool. They're all fixing the problem. There's no, there's nothing here. There's no, there was a little bit of conflict where someone, some government is refusing to do something, but that B plot was just, okay, here's how the ending happens. This is facilitating 
the well, people that need to be where they're getting to. But I, I wanted more the Martianing. I wanted more. How do we help them out of here? What do we do? And they just they didn't have that. Yeah, uh, I think that that whole uh, government un- unable to help is just the movie's excuse for putting an elite mercenary squad. Ne- oh, on for the sure. Plane. Yeah. That's the only reason that's there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, I want to I want to see how many islands out there have uh, male models as their warlords, you know, <laughs> you know, with their, with their perfect flowing, yeah, his uh-huh. bl- beautiful flowing hair, you know, that's, that's who you always choose for the leader. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, this is a real thing. I come to find out like this Island is named like an actual name. It's not like in top gun Maverick where it's like, we don't even know who the enemy is. Like, this, <laughs> this is fifth generation a, fighters. This is real, like a real Island that is really known for oh, being wow. run by militias. Um, and it's the name they Yikes. use. So um, it's, I thought that was uh, interesting when I found that interesting out. Interesting choice. You are going to be surprised when you realize how far I got into this movie before I realized it wasn't based on a true story. Oh, fun. <laughs> That's yeah. Interesting. Fun. That's funny. Um, yeah, it yeah. was a lot further in the movie <laughs> than it should have been. Because everything is you were like, like, man, Sully. He's he's. Yeah. Lot, lot. I swear to God, I was calling him Scottish Sully the entire yeah. movie. Sully. Uh huh. Uh yeah. Uh it can't even be Die Hard on a plane because Die Hard 2 was literally Die Hard on yes, a plane. It was. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, yeah, this is better somewhere than Die Hard 2. in the campy cheesiness realm. It's it's not Die Hard, but it's not Snakes on a Plane. It's somewhere exactly. in between, you know. And I yeah. think it's way way closer to Die Hard for me because it didn't it didn't lean on like the one-liners or a conceit. The the conceit is the plane. Um yeah. And I just, man, I was just, I was on board and ready to depart for the whole. I'm going to give you thing. for my one last thing, and then we'll move on uh, because we are going long today, people's long show today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did want to mention that um, there is, let's just say, a phone repair section of this movie, and and mm-hmm. I think this symbolizes what the movie does so right. In that there is the typical, almost tropey idea of getting a hold of the wrong person and it's just not working. But then what the movie does right is we fairly quickly know that it actually worked. That it actually, because there are systems in place, you know, that uh, allow for, you know, them to connect the dots. They connected the dots and the movie doesn't make a big deal about it. It's just the way it would be, you know. And I think the movie does that on several occasions um, where it just feels like, oh, yeah, it's, you know... It, it, I love that, because when it's done wrong, it's almost like, oh, this will build some tension. They're going to, like... Right. You, do you think I'm... Do you think I haven't seen this movie before? You, you're <laughs> right. confused. I have seen this movie before. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, before we head into the best ever challenge, just a reminder that you can uh, support through Patreon if you want to be a Sift Pop member. Go to patreon.com slash Sift Pop, and we appreciate that. Like to give some extra content to our members, uh, usually in the case, uh, in the form, I should say, of a uh, extra podcast. Uh, so we chatted about the DC announcement and the things that James Gunn talked about in that slate and kind of our thoughts on that. Uh, for this week uh, if you want to get access to that and all the other uh, bonus content um, you can check out what the different levels receive at patreon.com slash sift pop and thank you for doing it keeps us going everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, all right. On to our best ever challenge. Best ever Gerard Butler movies. Uh, let's. We'll go number five to number one. And of course, if you have it higher, you can Trump. uh you can make sure and do that. So number five, I'll kick us off. Uh I have cop shop at Aired. number five. Trump. If you wouldn't mind hitting that button, please. Trump. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we all three have it on our list. Uh Andrew, what's your number five? I'm gonna go with law abiding citizen. Trump! Oh. Wow, uh, Ian is just like, nope, only I am no. going to talk today. Just this guy. Uh, yeah. Ian, uh, tell us your number five so one of us can drop it. Mm, uh, Olympus has fallen. No, you can have it. No, you can go ahead and talk. Oh, about it. Really? <laughs> really? Wow. I, I have learned that I have not seen enough Jar Butler films. I've seen, I've seen a, a fair amount, but probably <clears> I'm, I may well be missing the best ones, but... Yeah, I, I like this movie. It's it's in the plain vein of very simple, no surprises, fun action movie. Gerard Butler being actiony. Um, and I agree. By the way, that. I like Olympus Has Fallen. I it's like my it. favorite Has Fallen movie for sure. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it's my favorite White House Down movie as well. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Same year, people. Same year. Same year. Never going to get Hollywood over that. Does. I don't know which one has Channing Tatum in it, but uh, uh, Channing yeah. Tatum is the White House Down one. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right, uh, on to our number fours. Uh, number four is where I have Greenland. Okay. Nice. You can have that, eat it, sit on it, puke it up, <laughs> put it I in like a cabin Greenland. in you, the woods. You don't, you don't like Greenland? I, I, I do not like this film. Ooh. I, I, think, I, I think, like the idea. I do not like the execution. I think, oh, I love the, I think I the think execution, execution is the good, best yeah. part of the movie. It well, felt so real, and <laughs> like that's how it would really go down if and nothing fell out of place. Yeah, I really like. I also really like the uh, the structure of the movie. has a very clear objective, and the entire movie is about obstacles to that objective, how those obstacles are overcome. Um, I really, really dug it. Uh, and and it was the first disaster movie in a long time where the disaster felt more like an actual. Um, a uh, piece of the story in the plot as opposed to just mm. a spectacle, you know, just yeah. a, a big set piece. Um, so, uh, and I, and I think the best disaster movies do that. I think Twister does that. I think mm-hmm. the, the disaster part of Twister is about the objectives and the plot and those kind of the story and those kind of things. Whereas uh, some other recent uh, disaster movies, uh, day after tomorrow, those kind of things, mm-hmm. I don't believe have done that uh, as well. So, um, I do like Greenland. Uh, Andrew, what is your number four? This is where <laughs> I have Reign of Fire. Trump! All right. All right. I saw you reaching for it. Uh, s- what this is, is where we get so lost and confused now. <laughs> I didn't realize <laughs> no. it was my turn already. Uh, Ian, what is your number four? Uh, number four is Cop Shop. This is where I have that. Aaron, if you wouldn't mind. Trump! Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay. Have we th- only talked about one movie so far? <clears throat> no, yeah, no, no, no. We talk- no, no. We talked about Olympus Has Fallen oh, in Green. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, okay. So, yeah. Yes, yes, we have. Uh, my number three, uh, appropriately, is 300. Uh, Aaron. Aaron. 
Oh my gosh. It's true. It doesn't seem mathematically possible that we've. No, it really doesn't, does it? Uh, Andrew, what is your number three? This is where I have cop shot. All right. Finally, talk about cop shot. I have it at number five. Andrew, talk a little bit about uh, cop shot. I did not know what kind of a movie I was going to get into with this. I thought this was going to be, you know, at first look, uh, it it, it seemed like a cheap, you know, made-for-TV movie, speaking of. Mm -hmm. But this movie is, like, incredible. Toby Huss, my favorite part about the entire movie. He's absolutely great. Performances, though, Alexis Louder. I got my eye on you after this movie. You are good. And then, of course, you know, Frank Grillo, Gerard Butler. It's just a wild uh, one-location movie. I It felt kind of like after when the movie was done, I knew the full layout of that police station. Mm, and I love when it's a movie... It's great at orienting you. Yes. Yeah. And I love whenever a movie can make you feel like you are aware of where everybody could be. It makes it feel more immersive in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Great movie. Ian, what do you have, Dad? Oh man, I'm gonna. I knew exactly what I was getting into because you and Jeremy both said like how much you gushed about this movie. It's and just, just so fun. Ex- it's just so fun. I expected yeah. nothing from it, and it just it's it does enough new while still being what you expect to be a really fun ride. Like, I I need to watch this movie again. Actually, how does it's this movie so, have so a, fun? It only has a six point two on IMDb. That's insane. Well, that's not, I mean, I think IMDb, that's probably right. I yeah. I wouldn't put a lot of stock in IMDb. I trust um, IMDb no, more I, than like Rotten Tomatoes or any of those. More than Rotten Tomatoes, maybe, but I would look at Metacritic uh, as as one of my favorite uh, indicators of actual quality. But um, but yeah, but yeah, you're uh, not wrong about Alexis Lauder. So so good, so good. So, I don't have a, I don't have a lot to add. Uh, I just I just think this is one of those movies that knows exactly what it is and delivers exactly what it wants to deliver, and it's mm-hmm. what it's delivering is something that I have fun had a good time with. So um, so yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, on to our number twos, I okay. believe. Uh, my number two is Reign of Fire. Uh, so Ooh. I had it at number two. Andrew, you had it at number four. Four. So uh, let me just preach the gospel of Reign of Fire again. Yeah. Um, if you thought Game of Thrones was the first place dragons were handled really well, uh, may I introduce you uh, to uh, Reign of Fire about a world that has been overtaken by dragons and Christian Bale and Gerard Butler are going to uh, fight them. So I have, I have, I don't even think I've heard of this movie. Ian, you've never heard of Reign of Fire? You, Reign Dude, of Fire. Uh, so Matthew McConaughey, Matthew built, McConaughey. Like a, mm-hmm. built like a tank and looking mm-hmm. like uh, the Liver King. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And it's got Alexander Siddig in it as well. Yeah. Did he yeah. Get murdered by a dragon? I bet probably. he does. Uh, probably. Oh, Ian, I'll tell you this. This is probably one of wow. my favorite post-apocalyptic movies. Like, How did this miss me? It's, <laughs> it's oh, I, was, so, I was 12. I was, I was 12. Say, it was probably when you were a kid, honestly. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, this is a really good movie. The The effects, like the design of the dragons is great. The concept of this movie is so fresh. Like uh, dinosaur, I mean, dragons were real creatures and they were just in hibernation. 
the amount of uh, scientific knowledge that they tried to embed in this movie to make it feel more real is great. Like how they breathe fire, like the chemicals and like glands. Yeah, the world and stuff building like is that. really cool. So yeah. good. It's I'm so good. Adding that to my list, I will have to watch that this weekend. That leaps right up my alley. Ian, please let me know what you thought of it because mm-hmm. yeah. I'm going to probably watch it tonight after having this conversation. Nice. It's been a long <laughs> time since I've seen it, but it is oh so good. Uh, awesome. Andrew, what's your number two? This is where I have Den of Thieves. Yeah. Yay! I had that, I had that in my honorable mentions. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Heat is one of my favorite movies, and this is just uh, modern Heat. It's literally the exact same movie. Like, you you can't... Well, not like, literally, but I understand what you're saying. It's, <laughs> no. Okay, it's, 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 a, it's a knockoff. It's a total knockoff of Heat, but it's really good. Uh, I think that Gerard Butler's great, and... Uh, uh, Paul uh, or Pablo Schreiber. I almost said mm-hmm. Paul Schreiber. He's he's great in it. This is where I really took an uh, kept an eye on Pablo Schreiber because I'm like, okay, you uh, you got some acting chops on you. I'm gonna keep an eye on you too. So, yeah, uh, I think that Den of Thieves is a very fun, tense, great heist movie. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it disappeared, and no one talks about it. And Nobody it's, talks it's about this movie. But it's, they're making another one, so it'll be back. Are they really? Um, yeah. No, yeah. I'm. Yeah, I had really, really good time. It's probably one of my favorite heist movies of the last ten years. Um, yeah, did it make a really, your list? Really great time with it. Yeah, it was num- my number three. I, uh, I trumped it at some point. I think. No, I couldn't. No, have trumped it. no, you must we have, may have skipped trumped. my number three then. No, yeah, I would have. Anyway, it's my number three. <laughs> okay, <laughs> maybe I just forgot that we trumped it. That's fine. Um, okay, so yeah, Den of Thieves, uh, definitely honorable mention for me as well. Uh, Ian, what is your number two? Um, 300. Oh, nice. Yep. Nope. You gotta hit the nope. button. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, all right. So on to our number ones. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon is, of course, going to be my number one. Um, I adore this movie. And I think it, the voice cast, including Gerard Butler, is perfect for it. Um, it was the movie where I was like, okay, fine. DreamWorks, you can make animated movies, I guess. <laughs> Um, Prince and, of Egypt wasn't that for you? What's that? Prince of Egypt didn't do it for I you? I guess I mean CG uh, animated okay. movies. Mm. No, Prince of Egypt is one of the greatest uh-huh. movies of all time. Yeah, it um, really is. So, but How to Train Your Dragon is two for me. And I love the uh, parallels between Hiccup and Toothless. Uh, I love the way they find each other. I love the emotion of the end, um, you know, when they both realize they need each other to complete each other. And like, it's just, it's, it's really, it's a really well-structured and told movie. The movie is so good that it made me believe How to Train Your Dragon 2 and 3 were better than they actually were. <laughs> That's uh, powerful. But I, I remain convinced that this is a masterpiece of a movie, uh, How to Train Your Dragon. So, um just one of my favorites. That's my number one. I never watched it. Oh, interesting. You should I check it out. It's really, really good. It is yeah, actually really good. One the first yeah. one especially is really, really good. And uh, Gerard Butler is great. The father-son dynamic that this you know, movie is really predicated and based around is mm-hmm. very well done. Very. You're not going to believe this, but it's a movie about how a son 
has to live up to a father. I've never seen this Wait. in a movie before. What? Like, yeah. uh, it's wild. Fathers what? and sons. Who'd have thought it? Yeah. Does he think um, he can do things, but he just can't? <laughs> Wait, a little different. Wait, you said uh, you, no. you haven't seen this movie. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, also, I, I I do want to uh, just hop back a, a few seconds and say, actually, two and three are good movies. They just weren't perfect movies like I thought they were when they first came mm-hmm. out. Uh, and, uh, so, and... <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Yeah, me so number, number one. Two? You're number one, Andrew? 300. All right. I added yeah. number three. Uh, Andrew had it at number one. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about I mean, tell us a little bit about uh, your thoughts <laughs> on it. It's, it's, I've, I saw this movie like six or seven times whenever it came out in theaters. It was like 2003 or four, somewhere around there. But um, it's visually one of the most striking and beautiful movies ever made. The transit the way that they're able to capture and portray graphic novel artistry and put it on screen uh yeah it, you could say a lot about you know uh i almost said frank miller but zach snyder zach snyder yeah, yeah. you can say yeah. a lot about zach snyder movies and whether you like them or not but the man is a visual master that guy knows how to make a beautiful movie. And a lot of people are like, yeah, when are they ever going to make a, a, the the real story of the 300 Spartans against the Persian army and stuff like that? And I'm like, I, I really couldn't care if they ever make the authentic, genuine version because this is the version, I think, that's actually the more prevalent because it's uh, uh, what, uh, not, I forget the name of the guy, uh, uh, Boromir's brother in Lord of the Rings, uh, Faramir. There we go. Yeah, uh, Faramir is the one telling the story to the rest of the uh, Spartan army and stuff. And that's why everything is so hyper-visualized. It's because it's a beautiful, grandiose story being told. So, yeah, it's a great movie. Great, great movie. Zack Snyder, um, rightfully or not gets tagged for you know the slow-mo and the yeah. speed slow mm-hmm. whatever but i think it's important to remember that although he wasn't the first to do it he kind of claimed it as his visual style which is not easy to do and really kind of created a type of cinema with the 300 and or 300 yeah. and uh i remember watching it i have several memories of this movie one of them was coming out and somebody just being really homophobic like about about the movie talking about you know how oh, it was only yeah. only meant for gay people to watch or whatever and, wow. just, and I was just like somebody may be struggling a little internal like somebody's yeah. wrestling through some some inner demons uh, Hope they're or better inner now. processing I should say but uh, but and then I also remember uh, coming out of it in another uh, couple coming out of it just being like what what was that I like they they were like they couldn't figure out what they had just seen and it's kind of one of those movies where you watch it for the first time and you go I don't think I've ever seen anything like this and no. um, <laughs> and that's saying something and it's you know. We talk about hyper-stylized violence. Uh, I've even talked to this podcast about how that impacts me and the cognitive dissonance I have with it. And I have some of that here as well. Um, but what's interesting is when you make it so fantasy uh, element uh, like this, where it feels less realistic, for some reason I'm able to find my way in a little bit easier because it feels, it feels like, a like a I was just going to say it feels like a painting. Mm, like yeah. that it, it's, you know, <laughs> there's... There's an element of artistry to it that feels different. So, yeah, I, I really like the 300. Um, 
E. Wait, where are we? Where are we at? I got lost. <laughs> Who's that? that was my number number two as well. So I think okay, it's my that's number what one. Okay, so yeah. Ian, we're ready yeah. for your number one. Um, law-abiding citizen is the only correct answer. Okay, well there you go. <laughs> Didn't even have it on my list. Yeah, oh, I'm fine. You're wrong. I love this movie so much. It's the perfect level of bonkers. It's, I think it's my favorite Gerard Butler movie until I watch... Wait, that, that was a dumb thing to say. It's at number one. My favorite Gerard <laughs> Butler performance as well as my favorite Gerard Butler. There you go. <laughs> until I see Rain of Fire. Um, I have a feeling that's going to notch it up. Uh, it's insane. It is the, it's the, it's one of the few movies <laughs> where my suspension of disbelief is suspended so far it then returns to being okay again. Like it's just <laughs> it is ridiculous what this man pulls off. Um it's obscene. I love every minute of it. It is ridiculous. I ju- I have so so much fun. It gives me the giggles with this movie. There's not it's not the spectacle that 300 is. It doesn't break any like cinematic boundaries. It's just a really really good time for me. But like yes. 300, I think that this movie revels in the violence in a way that transcends for me at least it did it transcended kind of like 300 did the gore and violence being disgusting as to not visually beautiful but what the movie is trying to say as a commentary on the justice system Mm -hmm. it is almost artistically done intentionally Mm -hmm. instead of just like oh that's gross and cool no I think that it's supposed to be a a self uh, a self reflection. I am yeah. with Ian. I think this is a criminally underviewed and underrated movie. I think it's written off as ridiculous, almost fast and furious levels of unbelievable. But the message behind it yeah. is actually way deeper than than you'd think. I still I just love that opening scene where it's like, no, you shouldn't let me off, and he's arguing with the judge that has like let him go. Yeah, I was like this isn't this isn't right. <laughs> So oh, <laughs> whenever he starts slow clapping, yeah. you're, you're like, oh, that's when you realize it's a different movie than what you expected yeah. it to be. You're like, wait, what is going on here? And then the movie gets insane. It's like, I can't wait for the sequel. I cannot wait. I uh, could not tell you if I've seen this or not. If I have seen mm. it, I don't remember seeing it. It probably it's, means I haven't seen it. So, Aaron, it's violent yeah. enough to where if you'd seen it, you would remember it. That's what so, I would guess. That's what yeah. I would guess. So my guess is that I have not seen this. Yeah. Um. So uh, might be one to put on the list. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Best ever Gerard Butler movies. Okay, guys, let's finish it off with our buried treasure. What is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? Ian, you're our guest, so you will go last. Andrew, kick us off. Uh, real quick, my honorable mention for Gerard Butler is Rock and Rolla. I love that movie. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Sorry. I, d- I thought we had all used all our Gerard Butler tokens. I, I didn't like I didn't realize the there was one more. <laughs> Ian, did you have any more that you wanted to use? I mean, I can rag on Greenland a bit longer if you want. <laughs> no, but- <laughs> no, no. Andrew, what is your your buried treasure? Well, uh, it, it's not really a buried treasure because it's the number one show in the world right now, and that's The Last of Us. It's... Oh my goodness! This they they did it. They finally did a good. <laughs> they did it, guys. They did it. Yeah, they did a really amazing video game adaptation to either film or TV. This this show is crazy good. Like the first two episodes were. Uh, I don't know if you guys have you guys started watching it. I've watched. I've watched all three. I don't know if Ian has. I've seen episode one. Okay. Um, yeah, I was going to wait to binge it all, but I'm now too compelled i need to yeah. i'm gonna have to watch it this well the first episode is masterfully done it's straight out of the game almost i love how 
at the beginning, you know, you get that, uh, uh, I, I guess you could say prologue, but it's not really. But that whole, the whole day leading up to when the mm-hmm. game actually starts is so beautifully done. But let me say this right real quick. The third episode of this mm-hmm. show. I've heard. I mean, it might be one of the most beautiful slash heartbreaking things I've ever seen. It's Nick Offerman and Murray, those two guys. I don't know how two guys can win for a, a best actor at the same time, you know, but both of these guys need to win for most actor at the same time. I've cried more in that episode than I did in, oh, man, in a long cry, time. Guys. Oh, I'm oh, oh, you're going to cry oh. so much, Ian. Ian, Cry's I know. Good, Ian. Ian, Ian, I, I know you. So rarely cry, Ian. I know uh, you, and you, you are going to cry. So nah, no, you won't cry. Oh, he's going to cry. I hope <laughs> I do. I, I genuinely hope. No, I do. honestly, I don't know that I will. Honestly, I'll, I'll say this, and this will be the last thing I say about the show: is the fact that that episode can you you know internally that it's it's a horrible thing that's happening in the world that this uh, that this you know pandemic is you know taking out all of the world. But that episode makes you think, man, if the pandemic had to happen, then these two people wouldn't have ever met. And yeah, that's that too is a shame. That too would have been a shame for them to never see meet each other. It's it's a completely I didn't know that they could make it this good. I'm so excited. Uh, episode three turned me around on the show. Uh, we'll see if it continues. Uh, I have such Walking Dead fatigue that it is a little bit difficult for me. Episode two, I I genuinely did not like. I did not really? like episode two. I felt like I'd seen. There was one part of episode two I enjoyed, and it was uh, anytime anytime the show does stuff around the breakout, I get more interested. Um, and episode three for me was everything I wish the walking dead had been, which was this real ability to not only explore deeper characters or side characters in interesting ways, but also explore the world in a way that tells me more about what's happening. Um, there's some subtle world building stuff in this, um, I guess it would kind of be spoiler, so I'll stay away from it a little bit. But the way this outbreak is explained and what happened and then some choices that are made in the first episode that you look back on and go, oh, that's interesting. There's almost a wink there. Um, The movie is really interestingly layered and put together. And You called uh, it a movie because it is so cinematic. It is. Well, (laughs) and and every episode's like... Movie hour length. and a half. It's an hour yeah. and a half. Yeah, each episode is an hour and a half so, long. So yeah, I am excited to watch the new movie this weekend and see what, <laughs> what movie four, movie four will be. Um, nice. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yes, uh, um, I'm but gonna, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, no. definitely. If you uh, have a start of watching it, no pun intended, definitely pull the trigger on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my buried treasure is. Got? Uh, one of the best TV shows I've seen in a while, uh, Poker Face, uh, is my buried treasure, uh, on Peacock. And this is Natasha Leone. Ryan Johnson produced it, uh, wrote the first episode. And this is very much a Colum- Columbo-style mystery show. And what I mean by that is, and boy, is this refreshing, every episode starts with a murder. There is no mystery about who committed the murder. There is no mystery about who is being murdered. 
There is no mystery about how they murdered them. I love that. It starts by telling you everything that happens and then shows you how Natasha Leone figured it out. And uh, it is um, <clears throat> it is such a relief to watch, well, two things. Number one, a show that is very much a mystery of the week. You know, and in, uh, there is a there is a little bit of an overarching um, plot uh, during the first and a little bit of the second episode. But if for the most part, it's just mystery of the week. And then it is also just refreshing to not have it have to be a mystery box where mm-hmm. the audience is like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Oh, what a surprise. Oh, that's the killer. Like just the relief of you know what the main character doesn't and to watch how she figures it out and also Natasha Leone is just so good oh she's uh, amazing in the show yeah. she's um, incredible so, apparently there uh, was a second season of russian doll that i haven't checked out yet there was there was it's mm-hmm. good it's good is it, i love the first um, season so poker face huge huge recommend check it out on peacock it is reason alone to get peacock if you don't have it nice uh ian what is your buried treasure i feel like we're all cheating because mine's the biggest one of the biggest shows on amazon prime and (laughs) you probably will have heard of it um but it is the legend of vox machina yes um from the critical role guys but i still feel like as huge as critical role is this is still a cartoon that is perhaps a show that is perhaps being slept on Maybe people are put off because they don't know the law. They don't know Dungeons and Dragons. You do not need any of it. Yes, you're going to appreciate it more. Yeah. But it, this is and this season one. And I haven't. Yet, I haven't started season two yet. Season one is one of the best single arc seasons of not just animated TV of any TV at all. It is. It's got heart. It's funny. It's hilarious. It's a great adventure. It is. It is so. It it has to introduce eight people and an entire world that they live in and an adventure all at once, and it is done so efficiently, so so well. Um, just bloody watch it. It's so so good, Ian. It's so much fun. Let me tell you this. Uh, without spoiling anything, I think that watching season two of Vox Machina would pair very well with watching Reign of Fire. Mm. Well, now I've paused because I've almost finished with campaign one, so I know I know. Sorry, the podcast version of the yeah, actual, yeah, yeah, the actual critical role. So yeah, exactly. So I I know I'm so excited because I know where they're going. I know what yeah. they're going to do. I'm so excited to watch season two. Um, but yeah, just go and watch it. It's great. It's a great animated show. It's so what ten episodes. Um, yeah, it's 10, 20 minute episodes. It's so good. Dicer, have you watched them? Uh, no, I'm not going to watch until uh, I have consumed all 800,000 minutes of uh, podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm at, I'm at minute 7,000. I'm nearly done. So I may as well just wait. But right, right. Um, yeah. Uh, I watched a little bit of the first episode, and um, guys, I don't think I'm a fantasy person. I, I just, I was like, I, I felt very disconnected from the show, and I think part of that may have been the feeling of uh, that can happen where it's like I know other people are loving this because of their deeper connection to it, and I just have no connection to it. Like I have no 
you know, um, deeper connection to it. So I haven't listened to Critical Role, and I love the show. Right. No, no, no. I, I totally, I'm saying my own psychological uh, oh. processing may have been impacted by that. I don't know. I just know that. Um, you just don't like fun. I just, just I, I just hate fun, today. really, yeah, at the end yeah. of the day. And when <laughs> something's really like good. Someone, you're just not interested. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When something's really good, I just like, it doesn't work for me. Yeah. Uh, so um, I have a feeling I would love it. it. It's also that thing where I have just tried really hard not to uh, add new shows that don't just like hit it out of the park for me. Just because I have so many mm. that hit it out of the park for me that I that I want to catch up on. Um, yeah. And I'm actually putting a dent in them uh, this winter after I got through award season. I've been putting a dent in my TV watching. So uh, it'll be um, maybe something that I can uh, lock on there later. Um, but uh, but yes, I, I don't know when I will watch uh, mm. The Legend of Ex Machina. I'm just going to um, start piping it into your room <laughs> when I come to stay. <laughs> Uh, that was an intentional misnaming. Yes, I know. It's Vox Machina. That is on Prime. Uh, Legend of Vox Machina. Poker Face is on Peacock. And The Last of Us is on what will soon be called Max, I believe. Um, so, uh, or HBO huh. Max, is, as you're doing right now. So, there Real you go. Real quick in the chat. Uishi, Takstamiko Tehedu, Du Ar Fantastike. Oh, good. Mm, yes. Nice. Same, same, yes. exact, whatever Andrew said, same, yeah. absolutely the same. Uh, we did it, guys. We managed to do a podcast. Woo! Uh, congratulations uh, to all. Um, well done, indeed. Thank you so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out today. Thank you, buddy. Talk to me. big thanks to producer phil for producing the audio and video show did i lose you guys maybe (laughs) that was a great amazing okay that was just a big old middle finger you're not doing anything for (laughs) phil anymore okay no no no, i hear you now for some reason my my computer just went uh huge thanks to and I'm like, oh, yes. I was like, oh, we lost Aaron. And I was like, but then you're like, oh, I guess we're not doing it. I'm like, oh, maybe it's me. <laughs> so if you if you want to lead me back into that, I'm sorry, guys. You know what? Also, a really big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio <laughs> video show. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Phil. <laughs> Much love and gratitude to our Sip Up members yes. uh, for supporting us as well. If you want to take a look at that, that's at Patreon, patreon.com slash Uh Thank you to Ian Whittington for joining Woo! us today. <laughs> Ian, uh, where would you like to uh, direct uh, people's uh, mouses? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, to, the, to the internet. Just go on the internet. Um, yeah, Twitter, you can have a chat with me. I'm at Witsen, W-H-I-T-D-S-I-N-N-E-D. And I have a podcast called Captain's Pod, where in two weeks we are going to be live reviewing the third season of Picard, which is getting all of the good reviews finally and getting all of the, the love. And it seems like it's going to be a great swan song for the TNG crew. So yeah, if you like Star Trek, come and come have a listen to Captain's Pod. Uh, I make the occasional appearance on Captain's Pod, uh, especially during Strange New Worlds. Uh, So uh, if you want to check it out, uh, go do so. It's a lot of fun. 
Um, there are a lot of ways to connect with the podcast. You can leave a comment, a rating, or a review, whether you listen at Apple Podcasts or Spotify uh, or wherever. Also, email. We still have that. Uh, that is feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show, too. So make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than turning the entire apocalypse into a knock-knock joke. Uh, we will be back next week with Magic Mike, a new Magic Mike movie, uh, as well as some other stuff. So we'll see you then. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.